Again, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Rob. Um, I am a pastor um, and a missionary, uh, soon to be re relocated to Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, um, where our flag has been planted as Christ in Recovery Ministries. I'm married to my insanely beautiful wife, Wanda. She's my rib, my rock, and honestly, the glue that holds it all together. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm grateful. Listen, I, I can't tell you how excited and how grateful I am to be here um, to share the Word of God with you. The Word of God. What is the Word of God? Well, Pastor Tony Evans says, that the word of God is the truth about any given subject and everything else and everyone else is wrong every time. Amen. That's the word of God. And church, I want you to put your big ear on. I, I want you to listen. I want you to really intently listen to what God wants to say today. I want you to listen because if, if you don't listen, you're going to suffer. Hear me, you're, you're gonna suffer. Your relationships will suffer. Your children will suffer. Your children's children will suffer. Your clean time or sobriety will suffer. Your finances, your health will suffer. If you don't take heed to what God is saying today, you will suffer. Beloved, we have two choices. One of two choices, rather. Believe his word or suffer the lie. In this world, we have two choices. Believe his word or suffer the lie. Turn to your neighbor and say, believe his word. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, or suffer the lie. Believe his word or suffer the lie. That's the big idea today. Now the thing about a lie is that a lie can, can shape your beliefs. It can switch and, and change the focus of your perspective. And it can influence your decisions. But for a lie to have any effect, it must be believed. Now when we're talking about the greatest lie ever told, the repercussions of believing that lie would reverberate throughout every generation. Now, the text that I'm going to be sharing with you is out of uh, Genesis, chapter 3. But before I do, I think it's important to note here that what we're about to read is not allegory. It's not, it's not some sort of, it's not a parable. It's not, uh, it's not a, um, a story that's made up to point to a spiritual truth. The Garden of Eden is a real place. Adam and Eve were real people. The serpent was a real reptile embodied by a very real Satan. What is written in the Bible about this story is not hyperbole. This is exactly the way it happened. And every sickness, every heartache, every disappointment, every bad report, every misunderstanding, every shortcoming, every character defect, 
every disease, all addiction, every murder, every raging fire, hear me, every earthquake, every flood, every drought, every broken bone, every bruise, all homelessness, all hunger, all wars, all calamities, every and any bad thing you can think of in this world, every teardrop that has ever fallen is the direct result of what took place in Genesis chapter 3. And no politician you vote for is ever going to fix it because they can't, no matter what side of the aisle they're on. And so we're going to be reading uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, can we please stand for the reading of God's word? We do this out of reverence for God, so if you're able to stand, please stand. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and I just want you to follow along, okay? This is out of the NASB, and again, it's Genesis chapter 3, and we'll begin with verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God really said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband with her, and he ate. Then their eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would... I ask that you would... Humble me, Lord. I ask that you would use the study time and what I've learned, Lord God, and use me as a vessel to reach the people that you've ordained to reach today, Lord God. I pray for hearts to be open, minds to be renewed, and for us to leave this place different and affect our families and affect our communities. Have your way in this place, O oh God. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'm about to say, I say more for me than I say for you. Um, and that is that I, I stand before you not as a man of some kind of moral authority, but more like the tax collector who said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so the big idea for today is believe his word or suffer the lie. Now I want to first begin by giving you a little bit of background on the text that we read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the sky, the water. He created living things to go in the sky and in the water and on the land and all the creepy, crawly things. Scripture tells us that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then man became a human being. Scripture also tells us that God planted the Garden of Eden 
and put Adam there to work it and take care of it. Now, notice at this point, there's no mention of Eve. There's no woman. Single ladies, raise your hand. Before, before God gave Adam a woman, he gave him a job. I'm just saying. Listen, God had commanded Adam, saying, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, God's command here is crystal clear. There's no ambiguity. He says, you can have all this. All this you can eat from. Just not that. Not that, not that one tree. You can't have the fruit from that one tree. For if you eat from it, you will surely die. He's crystal clear in what he says. And so, Adam and Eve are in the garden. And Eve is approached by a serpent who initiates a conversation. And let's look at the serpent first. The serpent is the solicitor. The serpent is the deceiver. It's none other than Satan himself, Lucifer, or as um, the prophet Isaiah tells us, the morning star cast out of heaven. Now he was cast out of heaven because um, Satan, Satan wanted to ascend himself like the Most High. And uh, the reason, now let me back up. When we, the first thing that we, that we read in this story that God wants us to know before everything else is that the serpent is more cunning than any other beast in the field. Think about that. That's the first thing he says. He doesn't say how beautiful the garden is. He does, it, it, he, the first thing he tells us about this story is how cunning the serpent is. And the reason he's more cunning than any other beast in the field is because Satan has indwelt this serpent, is in speaking through him. Now, I'm one of those guys that look up words. This is, I mean, for those, for those of you who don't know, I, I'm in long-term uh, recovery, have been going to 12-step meetings for a very long time. And so one of the things that I was taught a long time ago, and it applies to my studies in the Bible as well, is to look up words. Don't only look up words that you don't know, but sometimes it's even just as important, if not more so, to look up words that you think you know. And so I looked up cunning, and this is the definition. A skill employed in a shrewd or sly manner, as in deceiving. So what is that saying? Now God tells us in his word that Satan, or the serpent, is more cunning than any other beast in the field. And so when we look up the word cunning, we find out that he has a skill. He has a skill set in deceiving. This is who he is. He is the, you have to get this. He is the great deceiver. This is what God is telling us right from the gate when he tells this story. He's the great deceiver. I believe the Lord God mentions this first because he feels it's important to know who Eve and who we are dealing with. And so who are we dealing with? We're dealing with a liar and a murderer. In the Gospel of John, Jesus himself says this about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. And he, meaning the serpent, is going to lie about two things. And this is what he's very consistent about lying about. The character of God and the word of God. Remember that. The character of God and the word of God. 
So we, we learned a little bit about who he is, right? But what is his goal here? Like, what, what's his gig? What does he want to do? Well, his goal is to corrupt the things of God. He wants to corrupt God's creation. He's going to introduce evil for the very first time into the natural world. And he does it by asking a question. Has God really said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Now at this point, if you're anything like me, you've got a couple questions. My first question is, why was Eve not at all surprised that there was a talking serpent? That's a very real question. One of the things that, that I find myself doing as I'm reading the Word of God or studying the Word of God, as I find answers, it seems that there are more questions that come up. And that was one of the questions that came up. Like, why wasn't she, like, why didn't, you know, it seems strange that, I mean, I understand it's the Garden of Eden, and, you know, maybe it's possible, but we know that prior to this, as Adam was naming all of the animals, nothing was ever mentioned about one of them that could talk. So, so we don't know why Eve wasn't taken back by the fact that this was a talking serpent, first of all. My second question, why did the serpent not go to Adam and go to Eve? That's the second question I had. And I think that uh, the Apostle Peter answers this question in that the woman is the weaker vessel. Listen, I don't want you guys sending emails to Pastor Edwin. I don't mean this as a diss. It's, it's not a slight on women. In God's divine creation, women were created with certain tenderness, with, with certain uh, abilities to nurture and compassions, like a nurturing spirit, we would say. Um, because this was useful for, for raising children. So there was a reason why God created us the way that he created us. And women, women rather, are not, uh, in God's divine creation, warriors or defenders. Um, that is why women are to come under their husbands, um, to, to be protected, defended, and provided for. See, God has a divine creation for us. There's a place for all of us. And, um, and, and I want to share with you that that doesn't mean that Satan would not have been successful with Adam. He, he, very mel he very well may have been successful with Adam, but he obviously felt that he had a better shot with Eve, because that's who we went after. Now, this question he asks Eve, it sounds innocent enough, right? Doesn't sound like a big idea, doesn't sound like a, like a big deal. Has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, Satan passes himself off as sort of a, a, a neutral observer, or maybe a, a concerned friend, right? On the surface, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is. Now, what he's doing is deliberate. It's a loaded question, and immediately, if you look closely, you'll notice a huge red flag. And if you haven't noticed it, I'm going to share it with you. He says the Lord God as simply God. He addresses the Lord God as simply God. Now, on the surface, they may not look like a big deal. So in my studies, a lot of times I'll go to the Hebrew translation so I understand what the word really meant when it was written. And one of the things that I, uh, that I found out was that in the original Hebrew translation for the Lord God, it's Adonai Elohim. So everywhere prior to this encounter with the serpent, 
in, in terms of the creation, God is addressed as Adonai Elohim. Well, what does that mean? It means the Lord God, but more specifically, it specifies the relationship between God and mankind. He is our creator, and we are his creation. Adonai Elohim, right? Now, what Satan does is he drops the Adonai and simply uses Elohim. And in this context, what he's doing is he's using a more generic term for God. He's kind of like saying, so Eve, has your higher power said that you can eat from every, you know, or so Eve, has the God of your understanding said you can't eat? You understand? It's a generic term for the word God. And, um, and if you guys to really get the gist of what I'm saying, I'm going to take you back a chapter and, and show you how God is addressed. All right. Uh, it's in verse two. And, and I'll start in verse uh, verse four. It reads this. The Lord God made heaven and earth. Verse five. The Lord God had not sent rain. Verse seven. The Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground. Verse eight. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east. Verse nine. The Lord God caused every tree to grow. Verse 18. Then the Lord God. Verse 19. The Lord God. Verse 21. The Lord God. Verse 22. The Lord God. Satan does not address him as Adonai Elohim, the Lord God, because he will not acknowledge his sovereignty. Satan hates the lordship and sovereignty of God. So right out of the gate, he's, the, he's an enemy. And notice by his question, he wants Eve to focus on what she can't have. When the command was given to Adam, you can have all this, all this. You just can't have that. Because if you eat from that, you'll die. But Satan wants her to focus on what she can't have. And the same thing is true for us today, isn't it? Right? God, you've given me all this. The Lord God, you've given me all this. But I want that. Right? Bigger, faster, shinier. <gasps> the iPhone 14's out? I want that. Listen, I remember when I had a Holly Davidson, right? Brand new. It was black on black. It was pretty. I had it for a week. And <gasps> I want that now. Or I want that. I don't, you know, a, a new job, a bigger house, right? Uh, the new Jordans that are dropping tomorrow. You know, whatever. The list goes on and on and on. The list is endless. This obsession um, to focus on the things that we don't have affects every area of our lives. Even thinking about, like, the way we look, right? God, you made me, and I look like this, but I want to look like that, Right? butt lift, tummy tuck, implants, injections. I'm telling the truth. And it, listen, it's not just women. The, the, the men are doing this as well. The men are doing this as well. It can even affect the church and ministry. Lord, you gave me all this. You blessed me with these gifts, with this position. You assigned me this race. But I want to run this race. I want to run this race. Well, you can't. And I say you can't because if God wanted us to have that, he would have provided it. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory, it says in Philippians 4.19. Now Satan, now, Satan doesn't come and talk to each and every one of us individually to plant this idea um, the way he did with Eve. Uh, because he can't. He's not omnipresent. He's not God. He can't be everywhere at once. 
In other words, no, but as the prince of this world, he influences society through the media, marketing, and advertising. Now, I wanted to do some research about marketing and advertising in, in the media and, and how it affects us as a society. And so while I was in my, in my research, I came across a website from the um, University of Michigan. And they have a program in marketing there. And they said this on their website. They said that um, if you want to be successful in marketing and advertising, you should do these three things. Number one, grab the attention of the viewers. Number two, encourage them to take action. Number three, outline the benefit of doing so. So th this is their model that they say if you want to be successful at marketing and advertising, you do these three things. Satan is clearly behind the media, the marketing, and the advertising in the Western world. At least the Western world, if not the world. Because this is exactly what he does. Right? First, he grabbed her attention. So, Eve, has God really said you can't eat from every tree in the garden? Can you see what he's doing here? How does that make you feel? That you can't eat from every tree in the garden? How does that make you feel? Let's talk about that. Oh, he's cunning, beloved. Satan is very clever at taking her, as well as you and I, down this path that somehow God's word is subject to our evaluation, is subject to our judgment, right? A good way to translate this, if we were to say, if we were to use this vernacular today, would be, did God really say that? That's a little restrictive, Eve, don't you think? See, this, this is what he's implying. God's very character right here is under attack. He's under attack because the implication of this question is that God is knowingly withholding some kind of joy. God is, with, with, is knowingly withholding some kind of pleasure from you. God is a killjoy. God's a potty pooper. And with that question, Satan has managed to plant a seed in the mind of Eve that just maybe God is not good. And how do we know that? We know that because of her response. She should have responded with, hey, <laughs> listen, talking serpent, you know, creepy crawly guy, I don't know about you, I don't know who you are or where you came from, but I know God. I know God because I've walked with him in the cool of the day. I know God because he is good and only good. Amen. So you need to get out of here with what you're saying. But that's not what she said. And we should say the same thing, right? This should be our response. I know God because I know the word of God. And in the word of God, he says that he is good and only good, right? Listen. Sometimes when we don't get what we want, or when we're focused on, on what we want, what we don't have, 
We should remember that. We should remember that, that God is good and only good. And maybe it's not no. Maybe it's, not, maybe it's just not right now. And if I would only trust the Lord with my whole heart, lean not on my own understanding, in all my ways acknowledge Him, he, and He will make my path straight. In all my ways. But I have to trust Him with my whole heart. And so Eve gives a sort of eh, weak response. And she says, from the fruit of the trees we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or even touch it. We can't even touch it. It's almost like she's coming into agreement with him. We can't even touch it. Or we'll die. God never commanded Adam not to touch it. Now Adam may have told Eve, right? Adam may have told Eve, hey Eve, you see that tree over there? Don't eat from that fruit. As a matter of fact, don't even touch it or you'll die. That, he may have said that we don't know. It's not in God's word. What we do know is that she misquoted God's command. We do know that she doesn't know the word of God. Beloved, how can we stand on the word of God if we don't know the word of God? This church offers Bible studies. You know, in the announcement, they talked about some of the Bible studies that are being offered. We have, to, we have to open up the Bible and read the Word of God and study the Word of God for ourselves. You know, and coming here once a week and listening to the pastor preach is not going to do it. It's not going to do it. We have to, we have to study and, and, and learn God's Word. And that's why, you know, the, the church comes alongside you and offers these classes. And these Bible studies. And I highly recommend Tony Evans' uh, Bible study. I facilitated that, I think, a year ago. It's a great, it's a great Bible study on the, on the book of John. One of the books of John. Um, so you can't rely solely on the pastor's preaching. Now, let's get back to Eve. So Eve, at this point, um, she's rapidly progressing down this path that Satan has put her on. Right? She, she, she's, he's got her on this path, and she's rapidly uh, going down it. Now, God's command is, is subject to our judgment. And with that, he starts doubting the character of God. And all that with just a question. He's only asked her a question. Uh, she hasn't gone down yet, but she's on the ropes and she's wobbling. At this point, the only barrier, her only reservation, the only thing holding her back from disobeying God is the fear that she may die. This is where she's at now. Now, she may... She sounds like she, she's coming into agreement with what, what the serpent is talking about. You know, God certainly, he, he certainly seems like he's withholding something good, like he's withholding something pleasurable, and it sure looks like he's, he's being restrictive. But after all, he did say, if we eat from it, we'll die. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. Bam, there it is, the kill shot. That is the greatest lie ever told. You certainly will not die. You are not going to die. What is Satan saying here? Well, first of all, he's saying God's a liar. She has a choice right here, beloved. Just like you and I have a choice. Believe his word or suffer the lie. Believe his word or suffer the lie. The only barrier, her only reservation, the one thing holding her back, Satan has removed. 
Judgment. There is no judgment. There are no consequences for sin. You're not going to die, do you, bro? The Bible was written by man. You can't believe everything it says, right? The world believes that there is no judgment. Listen to what the world says. Listen to what they believe. When we die, we're all going to go to a better place. The God I serve would never send people to hell. Well, then the God that you serve is not the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible clearly says that if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity in hell. Where the Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's why this gospel is so important. Believe his word, suffer the lie. You certainly will not die, the serpent says. Now, if you're Eve, you have, to, you have to be asking yourself this question. Why? Why, why, why would he say that we would die if, if that's not true? Why would he take... Why? I don't understand. Why would he tell me that if I ate from here, I would die if it's not true? Well, Satan's got an answer for that too. Verse 6. For God knows that on that day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Right? God is a guy, God's a guy that hates competition. Right? He's jealous of competition. He, he doesn't want you to ascend to your better self. Satan took Eve on a journey that started questioning or judging God's command to then doubting his character, to then doubting his word, to then believing that God's intent was actually evil. Do you see what he did, beloved? Remember the three things that make a, a good ad or a marketing campaign that I shared with you? Grab the attention of the viewers. Hey, Eve, has God really said? Encourage them to take action. You surely won't die. And then outline the benefit of doing so. Your eyes will be open and you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see what he did? That's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he tries to do with you and I in this world. But he does it through the media, through marketing and advertising. That's exactly what he did, didn't he? In the beloved, the tree that she once looked at as a death sentence, she now looks at as desirable, delightful, and good. I don't know about you, but I can identify with Eve. I know what it's like. Praise God, I know what it's like to look at something that will kill me as desirable, delightful, and good. What about you? What is the thing that you look at that is desirable, delightful, and good? A puff, a toke, a hit, a drink, a sip. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's a click on a website, an extramarital affair. Maybe it's a cigarette or a cigar. The list goes on and on. I don't know. Listen, 
My thing may not be your thing, and your thing may not be my thing, but beloved, we all have something. We all have something. At this point, Eve has already fallen. She's already fallen. You say, yeah, but she hasn't. No, beloved, she's already fallen. Her eating the fruit is just the evidence of what she believed. The Bible says that she ate and gave some to her husband, who was with her. That's a different sermon. That's a different sermon. As I, as I bring it in for a close. The Bible says that their eyes were opened and they now knew they were naked. And so we see that along with evil, fear and shame have also entered the natural world and thus the world has fallen. I want to leave you with this. Satan was right about one thing. They now knew good and evil. Not the way God knows good and evil. See, God knows evil from outside of it. They knew evil because they had done it. They knew evil because they experienced it. Another way to explain this is God knows evil like a physician knows cancer. They knew evil like a patient infected with cancer. And so, Scripture tells us that, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God as I bring you in for landing, as I close. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us have something. And the Bible also tells us that the wages of sin is death. So if we've all fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, now what? Think about that. Now what? Well, when Jesus was handing out justice, to, the, to Adam, Eve, and the serpent, he also spoke of a time of his mercy to come. And it was in Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life without blemish, without fault, without sin, who died on the cross as an atonement for you and I, for our sins, as a sacrifice. He was slaughtered by his Father for you and I. And he rose on the third day. And that's what signifies that his sacrifice was acceptable to God. And all you and I have to do is just believe. We have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he said he did and repent from our sins. Turn away from who we are. Turn away from how we think. Turn away from how we behave. We're never going to be perfect, but we have to make the mindset to turn away. I don't know what else to say other than to say that that's what the Word of God says. Beloved, believe His Word or suffer the lie.